Hey, you guys, I am so excited today. I have been waiting for like, it feels like months. I think it has been months <laughs> to be able to share today's guest with you and this episode. And I'm wicked excited for several reasons and I'm gonna break them down. But number one, let me just hold this sucker up. Let me hold up this book. All right, if you're watching this instead of listening, you can see me holding up the book of today's guest, uh, my new friend, Andre Norman. And this is his book, ambassador of hope. And that's what Andre is uh, kind of known for being the ambassador of hope. And this book is called turning poverty and prison into a purpose driven life. Okay, you guys, I, I am so thrilled because um, Andre has such an unbelievable story that uh, I've been wanting to shout out to the world and you'll hear all about it like once we get into the episode, but I also wanted to just do a little official bio so you guys know who who we're dealing with. And then I'll tell you one more thing. <laughs> so stay tuned. Uh, so Andre Norman is the reason to believe in second chances. His tenacity and passion for people led him to start his transformational program 180X, which works to redevelop underserved communities repair families in crisis and reduce prison re-entry. But this wasn't always his calling. Nearly two decades ago, Andre was not only serving a hundred year sentence in prison, but he was also running all the gang activity within the facility. And after an epiphany that he had in solitary confinement and a lot of hard work, he was released from prison, GED in hand, having served just 14 years. Since then, Andre's mission has been to teach individuals and corporations how to turn any situation around. His solution-based recovery efforts have impacted regions, including Honduras, the Bahamas, Sweden, Guatemala, Liberia, uh, Liberia and Trinidad. And he has lectured on multiple TEDx stages as well as at Harvard University and London Business School. His innovative strategies against gang activity and inmate manipulation has improved correctional systems across the US. And you guys, he is an unbelievable human being. He has an incredible story. And I'm so proud and happy to be able to share him with all of you and this incredible work that he does. And the third thing I wanted to tell you before we get into the episode is Andre is the reason why today, April 1st, The Nest, my spiritual membership is actually reopening. When you watch and listen to this episode, either or, however you take it into your ears and into your, your head and your heart, uh, you'll hear in real time, like on the show, what happened. <laughs> And just the, you know, last week's episode was called Plot Twist. And there's a reason for that because on this episode, as Andre and I were talking, just something miraculous and organic just happened. And so Andre is the reason why I happily get to announce to you today that The Nest, my spiritual community membership is reopening it will be open uh, until April 11th. So you got 11 days to join us and you're going to want to join us. If you're listening, this is, this is 2020, right? No, this is 2021. <laughs> I'm talking April 1st to April 11th, 2021. The doors to the nest are opening and you're going to want to sign up because Andre is coming in to be the guest teacher 
in the nest in April. I am just so jazzed, so excited, and really, truly, humbly honored uh, to have him. And again, like I said, you'll hear on this episode how this all unfolded. I hope you enjoy Andre and this experience as much as I did. I appreciate you all for giving us some of your time. And uh, I love you guys. Have a blast. Bye. Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am wicked excited to share with you today my guest. So I'm going to give you, I'll do a whole other intro so you guys can, I'll read the official bio. You'll get a feel for, for, for who, this, uh, who this man is. But I just want to tell you a little, put it in context of, of who he is and why he's here and why I'm so excited uh, to introduce you guys. Some of you might already know who he is. Uh, he's called a lot of different things, Andre Norman, but he's also known as the ambassador of hope, which come on, that, that to me is just such a powerful thing. But I became aware of Andre and his, uh, his work uh, because I was attending an event called the Virtual Event on Virtual Events. And they just said, hey, we're going to have a speaker, like 30 minutes, boom. And so all of a sudden, Andre's on the screen and he just goes. And it's like 30 minutes of like, as a storyteller, I have to tell you, it was 30 15. minutes. Oh, 15. It was 50. It felt like it felt like it was more right? like 15 minutes of precise perfection. So not only was I taken by, of course, him and his story, but his ability as a storyteller and his ability to capture us. And, and the whole time he was talking, I was I swear to God, like the whole event was great. Don't get me wrong. But for me, Andre was like the highlight of that. And I just thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if this guy charges millions of dollars to like talk. All I know is I'm going to reach out. And I immediately, while he was still talking, I'm like Googling, how can I find this guy? Because I want to talk to him. And you were so great. And you responded right away. And you were willing to be here. And Andre, I just can't wait to share your story with people. And, and let me just also say this, and then I'll stop being rude and let you talk. <laughs> but here's the thing. I only have guests on this show like once a month. Um, so I always say the real estate, the real estate on the show is tight. But who I like to bring on here is people that I either love, I'm curious about, they're doing work that just like, I think is incredible. And people I wanna do a shout out about. And I always like to start with having people just do introduce themselves and to just tell us a little bit about your, <coughs> bless you, about Thank your you. origin story, because I know that there's one headline about like talks that you do, and it's called like from the prison yard to Harvard yard, which I just love. And uh, so tell us a little bit about, about you and, and uh, the work that you do and how, like just basically how it started, your childhood, et cetera. 
I mean, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and went lived in a house with five brothers and sisters. There were six of us. My mom and dad fought all the time, so we go through that. Then as I get old enough to go to school, because going to school is a big thing, then I grew up at the time of busing, where in Boston, black kids were sent to white schools and white kids didn't like, white communities didn't like it, and they threw rocks at us. They called us names. Then after back in the, the busing crisis, my dad leaves the house. So by the time I'm nine years old, I had three basic lessons. It's okay to hit people. I watched my mom be hit. I better protect myself because nobody came to help us when they threw rocks and names. And I can quit anytime I want because my dad walked out. Right. And so I'm nine years old and this is my philosophy on how you live. And then lo and behold, third grade, we're bouncing around, single mom, six kids. And I just wasn't good at school. And I got, you know I'm saying, tossed off. And I just went to what they call special needs classes now. We used to call them the dummy classes back then. And I just floated around until I got to the sixth grade. And in sixth grade, where I realized that I'm poor. Because in elementary school, you don't realize what you have and don't have and other kids have and don't have. You just play. Exactly. Middle school, cool, the cool hats, the cool bags, the Walkmans, all the stuff comes out, of which I had none. And they let me know it. Kids were cruel in the sixth grade. And yeah. I started hustling to make money to buy the stuff to be accepted. Then that took me down a whole nother path. And then I got on this path of just being out of control and destructive. But along the way, my sixth grade teacher, Miss Ellis, gave me a trumpet. And the trumpet she gave me was like phenomenal. I mean, it turned into like my best friend because I didn't have any best friends. Yeah. And by the time I got to high school, I'm in a high school band and I played trumpet every morning in the band. And then my cool guy friends were like, yo, Dre, that's stupid. They convinced <laughs> me to give up my dream. And when I gave up my dream of playing the trumpet, I had no goals. I had no destination. And I just drifted. And they'll tell you single, young, no education, no direction. You're going to die. Go to jail. I ended up going to prison. And when I got to prison, it was, I fit. It was all my friends from the special needs classes, all my friends from juvenile probation, all my friends who've ever been in trouble were all at the prison. It was like a big reunion. Can I, can I, can I ask you something here? Because it was one of the things that um, really landed in me that I wrote down while you were talking. And it broke my hat a little bit. Um, and when you said is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in my memory, you were saying something like when you were thinking like you were going to go to prison, I don't know if you said something like, I'm just going to have to like probably fight the first guy there. I'm going to have oh, yeah. to be tough. I'm going to have to do this thing. And you said, so like, like Duke's up, like, let's go. And then you go in there and you're like, I know everybody in there. And somebody said to you, and please correct me if I get this line wrong, because it was so impactful. But somebody said to you, we've been waiting for you. Yeah. They said, what took you so long? We were waiting for you. Where uh, you been? We knew uh, you were coming. If nobody was coming, you was coming. <laughs> they were like, it was never a doubt in my friend's minds that I would either die or end up in prison. And nobody wanted you to die, so they expect you to end up in prison. It was just like a given. We watch a top athlete in, in college. We know he's going pro. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady, we know he was going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like, there's some things that are given. Nobody's like shocked Tom Brady made it to the Super Bowl. Right. It's what he does. Well, in the urban settings and the black neighborhoods, going to prison is just part of the deal. The question is not if you're going, but when are you going to show up? It so was. I did that. I did. I, when I first got in, I just got in with the culture of, and I went with the culture. And six years, gang member, gang banging, acting crazy, 
And I finally woke up that I was the king of nowhere. I mean, I had achieved, I mean, I had this mythical status of the greatest. I'm saying it's like I, right now we say Mike's the greatest, Tom's the greatest. But what does it really mean? It's, it's, it's conceptual. It's 100%. Okay, so I had a conceptual title with no rings. They got rings. Well, <laughs> no that, and that was the other thing that I wrote down. It was like, again, like just from a storytelling perspective, like when you dropped that, I was like, that line is just like gold. And it was just like this impactful moment though, when it's like, I'm going to be the toughest. I'm going to be known. I'm going to have the power. I'm going to do all this stuff. But then you realize you take a look around your fucking kingdom and you're like, what am I the king of? Exactly. So if this is about storytelling. Then, I mean, the key thing is I have a story. It's 53 years long. You can't squeeze that into 15 minutes. A hundred percent. When I come to an audience, my first thing is not, I'm going to change my story. My story is my story is what points do you highlight? So I'm talking to people who do virtual events who are 35 plus, I'm saying, and they run businesses. So this isn't a high school kid trying to figure their way out. They might be drinking on the weekends and they shouldn't be. This isn't school teachers with adolescent kids who are getting in trouble. It's a 30 year old plus business crowd who runs virtual events. Well, so yeah, go ahead. That's, that's the general, just so when I, pick the stories I'm going to tell and what I highlight is to something that resonates to them. Well, just so you know, this show is like, has really, it's really loose, right? It's like, it's spirituality and storytelling. And so much about it is the, the act of what you're talking about and why I wanted to talk to you is you are somebody who has such an incredible story, but it's what you did with it, right? Like it, it's, for me, it's about you know, Joseph Campbell, you know, the writer Joseph Campbell, he talks about how, you know, the, the, the dark cave, the dark cave that we're afraid to enter is really where the treasure lies. And for me, it's like what you did with, you have this incredible origin story and it's like what you did with it is like this spiritual act and the person that you chose to become. And, and, and I was reading, you know, it's so fascinating, you know, most of the time, the people that I have on this show, they're people I already know uh, intimately, genuinely, like, so I, I don't have to like do research on them. I can just talk to them. And with you, it was so fascinating because I'm like, there's all these different aspects of you. It's like something like, and again, I always say, please correct me. Cause I, I kind of like fire hose myself with Andre, <laughs> but I was like, what? Like 45 minutes, like from the day you step out of prison. Right. So actually let's back up first. So while you're in prison, you have this awareness I'm the king of what? I'm the king of nothing, really. So there's this moment, right? There's this moment when you, when you go, I got to turn this around. And you, and you had this dream or this vision or this um, intention around habit. So can you just give us that uh, little peek into that, to that moment? I came to a place where I realized I was the king of nowhere and I didn't want to be in prison anymore. Prison didn't make sense to me. Prison made sense to me the first six years because I was welcomed. I fit in. It was all my friends. And it was like, okay, this isn't working. So I had to come up with another plan. My first thought was I want to be free. Mm. I looked around me, everybody who got free came back. So free didn't work. I don't want to be free. Then I looked around and said, well, who doesn't come to prison? I said, successful people. So I said, I want to be successful and I won't come here. Then that was the second step. Then the third step is, well, where do successful people come from? They come from college. So I mm. said, okay. No free, go for the successful, go to college. And I had to pick a school. The only school I knew the name of was Harvard. 
Because so you're a Boston kid. Because you're a Boston kid, right? I'm a Boston kid. Yeah. I used to ride my skateboard in Harvard Square when I was a kid. Yes. Yes. It was like the perfect place to go ride skateboards. Yeah, I went to BU. So, like, I was across the river, but I used to, like, go over. But same thing. Like, from, from me, going from Lawrence to Boston University was, like, another fucking world. Like, I was, like, I don't – I didn't even know. I was, like, a poor kid growing up in Lawrence, you know, and and – Part of why, another reason why I wanted to talk to you is, and we'll get into this, this work that you're now doing this um, in the prisons, it's really um, personal to me. And um, you have no reason to know any of this because we've never met or talked before. But one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because, you know, when I was 12, my mother was murdered. She was beaten to death. So nonviolence is something that is a part of my work. Uh, I became a yoga teacher because the foundation of yoga is ahimsa or nonviolence, which is also what um, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. like came from this place, nonviolence, resistance, et cetera. So when I started realizing that you were going into prisons and doing the work that you do, um, it really landed in me um, because you would think, you know, some people, my mother, you know, was, she was beaten to death. So it was really brutal and really violent and awful. And it changed the scope of like my whole life. And it is now the thing that informs me in the work that I do. It inspires me and it influences me and informs me. And when I saw that you were a kid too, like when I heard you speak, I was like, oh, Andre's my people. Like I can never know what it's like to be male or black in America, but I know what it's like to grow up where we grew up and kind of how we grew up with the threat of violence all the time and fear and not having money and, and all this stuff. And so I just thought that like you represented somebody who was able to kind of take these things that happened to you and you kind of um, not just wanted to better yourself, but you give back in something like 45 minutes, like 45 minutes, once you got out of prison after 14 years, 45 minutes out, you started talking to kids, right? Can you tell that story? Well, I was my... I changed my life. I started doing the right thing. I started self-help groups, taught myself the law, went to got my GED, started taking college classes. I started doing everything I could to better myself. In prison. Some, in prison. Yeah. And somebody asked me to come talk to some kids. They're like, Dre, we got this youth program that comes up. Will you come talk to them? So I go out and I talk to the kids. And what I didn't understand was, because the whole room went dead silent. I'm like, I messed up. <laughs> what it was being the boss of the prison, my perspective was different than anything they ever heard before. Because I wasn't trying to glamorize it. These are the facts. And this is how it really works. And this is the thinking of the people who run this place. Well, they've been hearing from people who live in the place. Now they're hearing from the people who run the place. And it's a different perspective. So when I left, they're like, Dre, you got to come back again. Them kids loved you. And I went to the next prison. They had a program called um, Second Thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for Second Thoughts, and we used to sit with the kids from Juvenile. Every, like, they bring the kids up six weeks in a row every Tuesday night. we go out and six with, sit with six kids, mm -hmm. and we had six topics over six weeks. And I did this for, like, two and a half years. I talked to different groups of kids from Juvie. So when I got ready to go home, I told the kids in the program, I'm going home. They say, Dre, you have to come see us. They said, everybody in this program gets out, and they never come see us. I said, I'll come see you. So I left the prison, went to the parole office, left the parole office, went to the youth center. It's right in the neighborhood. And I started talking and the kids were like, so happy to see me. They're like, Dre was so happy to see you. And I went in and I talked to the kids and I just started there. And that's what started my career as a speaker. 
It's so amazing. And something, you know, like I said, when I was kind of doing some research um, to understand the scope of the work that you do, like you've been in like 30 countries, like you've taught all over the world, you've had impact. And it's like, you know, I'm reading one thing and it's like you have a transformational program called 180X, but then you also have the Academy of Hope. And I'm like, oh, wait, he also talks to entrepreneurs and CEOs. So like you're really multifaceted. So like you kind of seem like, and even on the, um, on the virtual event, there was a woman who we were broken into these different groups and rooms. And there was a woman in my room who said that, she felt like she was on the event just so she could hear you speak because she had a son who was incarcerated. And so she's like, she wanted, she was trying, like she got very emotional and she was trying to find out um, how she might be able to help him. And she was inspired and help the moms of kids who are, who are in jail. And on the second day, Barry and Blue, unbeknownst to you because you weren't on the call, they said how you behind the scenes reached out and said, please put me in touch with her. And it just really touched me because, you know, people can hit a level of success and kind of forget about either where they came from or people like that one individual. That's how we change is like one person at a time. And I just wanted you to know it really landed in me and touched my heart um, that you were paying attention and that you um, reached out to her. That's yeah, I mean, idea. that could have been my mom. And my mom would have said the same thing. Had she heard some speaker 40 years ago speaking like I was now, like, hey, oh, you just give me hope that my son can do better, be better. And she would want to talk to that person. So how am I, I going to say oh, I'm too busy? I'm saying <laughs> being too busy is an option. And it's, not, it's an option for people who deem themselves rich or distracted. I mean, money doesn't make me rich. The fact that I'm rich is that I, I, I can actually talk to people and people can talk to me. I'm saying, you don't have to pay millions of dollars. I have to pay anything. Just, hey, Dre, come on my podcast. I mean, I can take 45 minutes to talk to you. I don't have to like, oh, I need $10,000 and I need a limousine and send me, this, send me the questions in advance. I don't want to, listen, I'm not that guy. I'm saying, I'm, I'm simple. I grew up, I had a bad experience. I figured out why I had a bad experience. I figured out how to fix that bad experience. Then I'm taking that bad experience that I fixed and showing other people that they can fix theirs as well. And that, that is a hundred percent too. Like I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Like it was not in my blood, right? My, I, I come from like blue collar people, right? But so, but I am, I've been an entrepreneur for like 20 years. But what you just said is exactly what I love about it. It's like the work that I do, it's because just like you, it's the experiences that I had as a kid. I figured out that I was suffering. I realized like, how do, how do I get out of this? I figured out the tools in my spiritual toolkit that I use to get out of the suffering. And now I call it like, I say it like this, like if you're lucky enough to get on the elevator and take it to a higher floor, you don't stop the car there. You better send that sucker back down so other people can get on it. And like we right. lift each other up. And so I appreciate that that's your, your mentality too. I mean, you got two things that people can do. You can find a way to make things work better or find a way to not make things work better. That's it. So it's, 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 for me, it's, it's not a hard concept. When I started my business, if we want to call it a business, I sat in the room, I said, okay, why am I doing this? 
What is, what is my ultimate objective? What is the core mission statement of my business? Mm -hmm. Is it to make money? Is it to be famous? Is it to help people? I mean, is it to be around people? What is my core? Mm -hmm. And I wrote down what my primary things were. My top thing was to help people. Yes. So now when you call me, it, what is my top thing to help people? So I don't think I need to charge her $100 or two, whatever the fee is. I, <laughs> I don't even think charge people because that's not my business model. Yes. Now, some people's business model is to make money and they monetize everything. And I don't blame them. I'm not mad at that. Apple's business model is to monetize everything. Everything. And they do it. And they're a trillion dollar company and God bless them. I don't want to be a trillion dollar company. I, I'm, dude, I'm with you. People say to me all the time, you know, if you just did things this way, you could make a lot of money. And I said, but you're confused because you think money is what motivates me. Right. I don't, I mean, being a trillion dollar company, you say, Dre, you want to be a trillion dollar company? No. I, I had three clients last week who I had to talk to. All three billionaires. All three billionaires. Not kind of, sort of, billionaires. And two <laughs> of them, if I said the names of the companies that they own or co-own, Three of, the big, three of the biggest, two of the biggest companies in the country. Mm -hmm. No question. Not even close. <laughs> Not Apple. You go on Apple, Microsoft, I mean, like brand names, like you're talking about brand, brand names. Yes. And billionaires, and they needed help with, with their kids. And they needed help with some family. And they needed help because for you to become a billionaire, you have to <laughs> sacrifice a lot of stuff. I, I, I hear you. And that stuff is usually your kids and your family and maybe your health. So yeah. you make a billion, but it's going to cost you. It does. It's going to cost you something. And generally, one of your kids or one of, somebody's not going to make it. Somebody's going to slip through the cracks. Because you're not, no, no, they're not slip through the, you ain't there. You ain't there. It's not a crack. It's an empty room. Oh. You pay right. for great tutors. You pay for a great private school. You paid for a nanny. Gave them the best of everything. But you were the best there. of you. That's right. That is and so true. My best, best friend on the planet, she's a, she was, <laughs> I'm about to say young. We were 16 years old. She's from Miami. I'm from Boston. She's white. I'm black. The difference between us was her parents, even though they weren't together, her dad could write a check for her to go to private school. So every year a check showed up for her to go to private school. Every year a check didn't show up for me to go to private school. We were literally the exact same person with the exact same parents except for her dad could send a check for private school. That's right. And with best, best, that's my best friend of all time. But that, we had the same experience. So simply writing a check oh would be God. help. They might have a better situation, but their internals won't be intact. Well, it's, it's true even in entrepreneurship, right? So I always say, like, I have a lot of friends who are business coaches and business mentors. And, um, and they'll say, you know... Um, I'll say to them, you're asking, how do I say this? <laughs> I'll say, I always, I often say it like this. I know a lot of rich, unhappy people. And so yeah. I always say, I am rich in a lot of different ways, you know, and maybe, maybe the money will be part of that someday, but like, I'm just answering the call of my heart, which is like you to help people. Um, but I know a lot of people who, like you said, <laughs> you, you might have a gazillion dollars, a trillion dollars. But, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to be um, successful or happy in other areas because it, it does come with a price. This is what I say to all parents. If you work at 
the corner store, or you run a billion dollar company. There's one thing parents want to know before they die. One thing, not is my house going to be clean? Who gets my car? Who do I leave this to or that to? Yeah. Are my kids going to be okay now that I'm gone? Mm-hmm. That's universal. I've sat with super wealthy people and dead broke people. Yep. They all had the same thing at the end of the day, when it's time for hospice and it's time to leave here, are my kids going to be okay without me? And more money doesn't make it a yes. A hundred percent. So, and having more money doesn't mean like, oh, my kid's going to be fine. No, he might do bad in a bigger house. <laughs> and it's not even, are they going to be okay financially? Are they going to be okay as people? Are they going to be able to socialize? They're going to be able to move. They're going to get married. They're going to have kids. They're going to have a life, not this bubble I put them in. So fast. It's so true. You know, I remember when I was at BU and of course, like, I'm like, you know, one of the the poor kids trying to like figure it out. And I'm only there, like, I'm only there because I got money from my mother's insurance policy when she died. So I could pay for like the first year. And then after that, it was like work, study, hustle, three jobs, sleep it on the floor type of a situation. But I did it. But the kids who struggled a lot were the kids from rich parents from like LA and New York who had made like, like people who cleaned up after them and did that. Like they didn't know how to function on their own. No, no. I mean, you give them the best, but you rob them of the basics. Mm. Okay, people, I hope you're listening because he is dropping gems like right in your lap. That, that is so powerful. You know, and the other thing, and I'm kind of like jumping here, Andre, but something that I thought was so fascinating is when I was watching, um, you know, there's a ton of different video clips of you out there. And uh, Stedman Graham, who some of you might know him as Oprah's sweetie, he was talking about you and your, your program, Academy of Hope, and I want to dive into that a little bit. He works with us. He's been working with me for like a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah. And on the video, he said something about like, Andre helps them transition from the inside to the outside. And I paused at that and I really started to think about it because I think, I could be wrong, but I think what I was hearing is he was talking about helping these men uh, in, who are often sometimes, I think the people, the men that you work with are some of the most violent offenders or the most violent people. And he's talking about transitioning them from the inside to the outside. So immediately my first thought is, oh, from prison to like out. No, most of them are going home. Right, but so, but this, so this is what got me so excited. And this is when I realized it, because this is the work that, I'm not saying I do the same work as you, but similarly, I help people do work because it's an inside out job, right? This work. And I saw some of the handouts um, that people get in your program, just from catching them like on the video. And one of them was how to forgive your parents for a troubled childhood. No, no, that's not a handout. The, the people in our program, somebody created that training. They create trainings themselves. So that guy that created that training had that problem. I showed him how to take his problem and turn it into a curriculum so he can help other people. That okay. wasn't a handout. All right. That no, was okay. made by them. That, okay, great. This is what I want to talk about because I saw that. And then the other thing, and I, and I thought it was a handout because it was laminated, right? So I oh, saw well, We get it done up for them. They yeah. write it all up, then we'll print it up for them. And then there was another one, and it's, it was called Victims Who Victimize. And I thought... I am just so fascinated. And there was a shot also of um, a book 
about like taking responsibility or owning your choices or something like that. Right. I just thought this is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about this program? Well, Academy of Hope was created because a few years ago, seven men died in a riot and 30 got wounded. And the director of the system, Brian Sterling, and the director of programs, Ms. Nina Staley, asked me to come in and help them. Mm -hmm. So they had 19,000 people locked in their cell 24 hours a day for five months Ugh. because they didn't know what to do. There's going to be retaliation. It's going to be more drug, drugs and, and violence. So we went in and we spoke to them. When you say we, who's we, Andre? Me and my best friend, Dominic. So we went, hold on. Uh, so yeah, we went in, we spoke to them and we opened the doors for the first time in five months. And we had conversations that really mattered to them and mattered to the planet and mattered to their families, mattered to everybody. Mm -hmm. and we challenged them to be greater than who they were, were slated to be. And then we set the program up and we came in and having been in prison, having been poor, having been black, having been in special needs, having been expected to be here, I knew what they were living in. Mm. And generally prisoners get the worst of the worst or the least of the least or the last thing left. So anything left over would go to the junkyard. Then what the junkyard doesn't want goes to prisoners. Mm. That's kind of like the concept. So everything there is like nobody really wants. So I brought in the best of the best. So I went and got, I, I'm a member, I work at Genius Network. So I work with Joe Polish. Mm -hmm. I'm an EO member. So I have access to 14,000 EOers. I'm one of the top speakers in YPO. I have access to 30,000 CEOs. I'm at London Business School. I'm at Harvard Law School. So I started getting the books of the smartest people on the planet and bringing them in there. I'm saying, read this. Forget the junk that they were saying. Read this. Mm -hmm. So I got Dan Sullivan on my show. Here's my guy. If I can only highlight one guy. This is one of the smartest guys on the planet, Dan Sullivan. You know what I'm saying? So they have this book on my unit. And... I've He's one of the top coaches. He's one of the top coaches of the top businesses on the planet. Yes. So they're reading his stuff. Yes. They're not reading Dr. Seuss. <laughs> they're not reading garbage. I got Joe Polish in there. I got Cameron Harold in there. I got Roland Fraser in there. I got Steve Sean Stevenson in there. I got Michael Burnoff in there. I can go down the list. Sean Stevenson. That's my guy. So we have we're bringing them not just expectations. But, this, but the information that goes along to help them reach their expectations. So if you see the books in our unit, our library is a real library. It's yes. not a bunch of donated books that were dumped on a car from 1974 that nobody wants and they shipped to the prison. Yes. So we're bringing in legitimate, real stuff. Because so, we want them to be the best, right? A dude, 100%. How many, how many people have become great listening to Dan Sullivan? Probably a shit ton. And, that, and we're going to add a shit ton of them from inside the prison, too. <laughs> so it gets to the point, if you want great outcomes, you have to do great inputs. So I started bringing, like, our journals. I don't have one here. This is one. I have a guy from Amsterdam. His name is Elko. Love him to death. He gave me this journal. And I went to speak at his event a few years ago in Amsterdam. This is like a $30 journal. Yes. We have these inside. Why? And I went to Genius Network, and um, they had, I, went, I go to Genius Network for three years now. This isn't the journal they have, 
but they have a journal that they give out to the members when they come. You pay $25,000 or $100K, and you get a really nice journal when you come there. <laughs> and I, I love the journals. I take them like anybody else. We just take them home because they're like keepsakes. Sure. I was like, and I went to go buy journals for my guys at the prison. So where did yes. I go? Walmart. <laughs> I got the composition books. Right. Yeah, buck. <laughs> I still write in composition books. I got, I got a ton of them over here. Yeah. But what I said to myself, I took the composition books up there. I'm like, as I was passing them out, I'm like, this is not what the That's top right. people use. That's right. I want them to be the top, but I'm giving them the bottom. That's so right. So I went and asked Joe, where do you order your journals from? And he told me the name of the company. It's a guy named Joe Foley that has a company that produces these journals. I said, Joe, I need those journals for my guys. <laughs> he told me the price. I was like, okay. <laughs> a little more than a dollar. But if I want you to respond, I got to give you the inputs. Well, and Joe Foley, shout out. He sold me the first set. Then he gave me three times as many in the second set for free. Because this is how we do it, Andre. We do it together. Like, this is the thing. And I just love exactly what you're talking about. It's like, I, here's how the, we know, we kind of know how the mind works, right? And if you give somebody like, hey, no disrespect to like the, the, the basic journal, because I write in them, but you're asking somebody to see themselves differently, to feel differently to have a higher, call it expectation or vision of yourself or whatever. And if you're giving them slop, like, what do you think, right? So I just love, I love the awareness and I love that these people, and, and this is the thing, you know, I have a friend in California who works in the prison system, but his gift is dogs. And he has a program called Positive Change. And he brings these dogs that were on death row, we're gonna be euthanized and he wants them to be rehabilitated. So he brings them into the prisoners. And so there's a certain section of the men's prison. They're also in women's prison. And he just started a program in, uh, I think, girls' uh, detention or juvenile center. And so the humans, the people, and the dogs get rehabilitated together. It is the most powerful, and one of the most powerful and beautiful things that I see. And I'm one of those people, people often, I think, because of my, my history and my own experience with, with having, um, you know, a mom who was killed and a guy go to prison or whatever, that I would feel a very particular way. And I remember in, at BU, I took a public speaking class because I was terrified of public speaking. Do you remember Dave Maynard? Do you remember Dave Maynard who did some of the, uh, he used to do like a show, like a weekend show called like Star of the Day. And he did a bunch of commercials with like the, uh, the Celtics guys and stuff like that. You may have been name. Yeah, yeah. So he was the teacher in that class. <clears throat> and I was so, <clears throat> I was so nervous and shit like that, that I would sit in the back of the room, but I acted really tough. And he didn't know my name. And he used to call me tough girl at the back of the room. And I'll never forget one day, like when he called on me and he was like, um, he gave us little notes at the end of class. He didn't tell us, he didn't give us feedback on our final project. But one of the things he said to me was um, more eye contact because I used to have a hard time looking people in the eye. And he said, you really love how, when they respond to you. And I think that's when I really caught the bug of wanting to tell stories in front of people and stuff like that. But something that, hold on one second. Where, where was I going with that? Dave Maynard, public speaking. Oh no. I lost the thread of it. Wait, it's going to come back to me. Give me a beat. Give me a beat. Oh, 
So in that class, I had to debate, do a debate. I'd never debated before in my life. And I had to take the side of against the death penalty. Now at that time, I was only not that many years out from my mother being killed. So it was a really interesting thing. But the more I started to, 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 to do this speaking thing, I had to educate myself on this stuff. And something happened to me, something happened to me in this whole process. And the guy that murdered my mom, he killed himself in prison. And there was this moment where there was a crack where compassion was, I'm going somewhere with this. It was a moment where there was a crack where compassion came in. Because I stopped seeing him as just this beast or this, you know, this monster. And I realized this is a guy who had a family, who was a father, who was somebody's kid, who was somebody's brother. And it was in that moment that compassion come in that forgiveness could ultimately happen. And so I'm all for people, even if they're never going to get out. I think people have a, I think, uh, let me say it this way. I'm not being very, I'm not being very astute because I have a lot of, a lot of emotions coming up right now. But what I'm saying is I feel like everybody deserves a second chance. And I think if we define people by the worst thing that they've ever done, we're just seeing like a one inch window of their whole spirit, their whole soul and who they are. And so I love that. I love that you're going in and helping people to see that they're more than like the worst decision they made. Yeah, definitely. And though I'm sitting here because there's a guy who was sent to jail on, on some murders years ago, and he probably has 40 years in now. And at the time when I was in my transition, older white guy from the suburbs, and I'm sure there's a family someplace distraught because he of the murders he was charged with. But he, that I didn't know that guy. I didn't know that guy. Right. I knew the guy who used to walk around and share knowledge. And the guy walked up to me one day and gave me the information to transform my whole thinking and being. Now, had he been put to death because of what he'd done or had he hung himself because he couldn't handle the grief of what he'd done, I wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't be talking to me. So. It doesn't excuse what anybody's done, but what they've done doesn't take away their value. Yes. Say that again, so, please. Can you say that again? The point is, we're not, take, we're not excusing anything that they've done. Yes. But what they've done doesn't mean they don't have value. Thank you. Thank so, you. What he did was wrong. Not in that space, but that doesn't mean he can't have value. And he done wrong, and he's being punished for it, whatever you want to call it. But he found an inner place in himself that he's come to terms with, it and he's now helping people. And I can, he can say, hey, there's a guy that I help set on the right course. What's his name? Andre Norman. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Gordon, to me, was that guy. I'm saying Gordon to me was definitely that guy. There's some people who can say, I hate Gordon. He's awful. He's evil. Look what he's done. And again, I'm not defending anything he did in his past. Yes. I can tell you who Gordon is today. Yes. Who Gordon was to me the day he walked up. He, Gordon to me is a decision between me making and not making. 
Dude, I, I 100% hear you. And, and here's the thing too. I can look back and see who I used to be and some choices that I used to make. And sure, there's a scale of like, well, you weren't killing people or raping people right. or doing whatever. But still, if I had been judged, because even just my accent, people make judgments about who they think I am because of the way that I sound sometimes, right? Right. The way that we label people. Right. The way that we, the way that we look at people based on like, like again. And so I think what's so important and why storytelling is such a, first of all, I'm a writer and I'm a storyteller. So I love that. But the, the, the reason why I think sharing our stories and why I wanted to talk to you today and share you with, with my listeners is because I think that when we hear other people's stories, it's almost impossible to not on some level, at least have a deeper level of understanding but when you start to understand you can also start to forgive and you can right. also maybe even at some point start to love people more i mean i see that there's people who will use well to become who you had to be now you had to go through some bad stuff i would have much rather been a lawyer right <laughs> I just skipped over the 14 years and, and all the torture and the, and the craziness. There's been a boring old lawyer. <laughs> I'd have been okay with that. So yes. no, there's no like, Hey, this is your life is your life. It is. But, um, we can have two choices. We can spend our lives being upset about what didn't go our way. Mm -hmm. Or we can find a way to find space to go live our lives. So I didn't get everything I, I wanted from my dad. I didn't get everything I wanted from my mom. I didn't get everything I wanted from my school or my neighborhood or my church. Um, I didn't get everything I wanted ever. So I can stay in that space. Yes. I can say, you know something? Let me go on and build another space. So I was literally talking to my son before this call. And the call is so funny because he's 15, mm -hmm. goes to private school, <laughs> travels the world, <laughs> has a bunch of expensive clothes yes. and he has computers, laptops, phones, and friends. And yes. he's just grown a mustache and I'm listening <laughs> to him and I'm looking at his life and I'm thinking about my life at 15. And it was, yes. I'm about to mail him another credit card because he lost his for the fifth time. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't have an Amex Platinum when I was 15. Yes. I didn't have my dad sitting me down talking about, we're going to build businesses together and we're going to show you how to do mutual life insurance so you can invest. It was none of that. So it's like, you learn, you go, you grow. So it's like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I laugh with him because I'm like, I'm happy for you. Yes. I'm so happy for you, but I can only, I'm, I'm happy for you in a way that your mother can't be because your mother come from a nice family. I'm so happy because I know what it looked like for me at 15. Yes. And so I'm super happy for him. I think it's, it's, sorry, go ahead. And I want other kids to be in that space too. I went to a youth program the other day, Saturday, and it was a bunch of kids. And one kid came in and said, my mom was getting beat up by my dad. She finally got him out. And I pray that my mother can find a better man to treat her well. And I can get a stepdad. Oh. He had 12 year old praying for a stepdad and his oh. mother to be treated well. I went there because I didn't even think that I can get another dad, but I remember those days. Yes. And it's like, so I volunteered, like I was up like five hours on Saturday, just helping these kids and mentoring and just speaking. And I was last night, there was two guys, from, one guy from Cambridge, one guy from Boston. 
or down here in Atlanta. I went and sat with them for like three or four hours. And I had to go through all of their dysfunction. See, sometimes people don't want to deal with your dysfunction. Yes. They want you to start off where they want you to start off. So I had to sit for a couple hours as they told me they're ridiculous concepts of how the world works. Yeah. None of which are true. <laughs> but in their mind, they've created a narrative. Like I was in prison and I thought I was winning. Yeah. But they're in this space and they think they're winning. So I had to sit through their thinking and had to hear them all the way out, then show them things to consider. Not tell them they're wrong. A hundred percent. There's some things to consider. You might want to look at it this way. Yes. I, that, that's my language too. I hear you a hundred percent because it's like, you can't, I always say to people who I work with, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm just asking you to consider that there might be a different way to think about this. There might be another option. There this might one doesn't be. Seem to be working for you. <laughs> I, I always say that to people like, you know, they give you the story and I go, so uh, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they have all the reasons why it's not working. They told me every reason why their life isn't working last night and they're okay with it. Well, right. And I always say like, oh, it's your, I'm like, look, let, let's just consider the fact that your best thinking is what got you here. Yeah. Your planning got you right to this point and need to help. <laughs> now that the help showed up, you want to tell me how to help you. <laughs> Wait, that is so good. Now that the help is here, you want to try to tell me how to help you. Yeah. Right. Right. Because, you know, we do, we think like when, here's the thing I always say to people and I, and, and look, everything I say is for myself too. Like, let's, let's be correct about that. But I always say like, um, you know, everything that I'm teaching or speaking on or sharing or whatever, I'm like, you know, it's for me too. It's a reminder for me too. Right. To not to, I always say, I say, I know it's not correctly English, but I always say you have got to remain learnable. You have got to remain learnable. I always say to myself, yeah. like be teachable because as soon as I thought I know, there's this old great saying, um, I've never been able to find out. So I just call it, it's like an ancient Zen proverb, but I, I'm not really sure who exactly said it. Cause I can't find the, the, the source, but it says to know, everybody thinks they know, right? To know and not yet do is to not yet know. Right. Exactly. To know and not yet do is to not know. And I, I work with so many people and talk to so many people. So they'll give me the story, the struggling, the suffering, the, the bullshit, all the stuff that's going on. And then I'll say, all right, so have you, and then fill in the blank, whatever I'm going to say, a resource, a story or whatever. And they go, I know. And I let them get away with it a few times. I know. And I go, no, you don't fucking know. Cause if you knew, you wouldn't be talking to me. You wouldn't be coming to me to help. If you knew you'd be living it and doing it. Exactly. See, I mean, you, you go every day. Like my son, he's gotten taller. He went from five, he's like six one now. So this place here is like a place in Atlanta. It's um tilted. Lake. Let's see, it's still blurry to me. Calling, what does it say? Calling for other caring for others inc. Right. Caring for others inc. is a lady. I just met her the other day. She has like a thrift shop. Yeah. And she sells clothes. Yeah. So my son doesn't know it, but this is where his clothes are coming from. I'm not going to tell him. What do you? So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You're no, not no. Gonna... He needs new clothes. She sells clothes to support the homeless and the hungry in the neighborhood. So I'm going to buy all his clothes from her. 
I love it. So is he live now? Does he live with his mom? Your he son? lives with his mother in London. Yes. Oh, they're in London. Now you're in Georgia now, Atlanta. I'm in Georgia. Yes. So how did you land in Atlanta? The airport. No, <laughs> but how no, no, did no, you... no, no, not. I needed to live near a major airport. Oh, so because you travel so much is what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah. So I always need to live near a major airport. And so is... it's, it's tough. So, because you want close, quick access, you mean? I lived in South Carolina for two years, right next to the prison. Well, that's why, okay, thank you. Because I wanted to ask you, because I'm thinking, okay, Boston guy, I'm not sure where he is right now, but so how, how did you end up in South Carolina? And I know you also did some work in Ferguson, right, I think? Yes. Yes. I've worked, so worked in 30 countries and 30 states. Um, when the program happened in South Carolina, I moved to South Carolina. They hired me to create the program. That's all so I had you, to do was create. So you just moved there because of that? No, yeah. Okay. I created the program, then I handed it to him, then I came with it. I wasn't supposed to come with it. I was just <laughs> supposed to create it and hand it to him. That's commitment. So what is that? This is my program. I saw. So I, 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 we created this, then we gave it to him. And after we gave it to him, they said, thank you. Then I got on the plane and I moved down right next door to the prison. I went in every day for 10 hours a day. I saw the video of your friend. Is your friend that you mentioned, your best friend, is he the ex-Marine guy? Yeah. Yeah, so I saw him talking about that. And you guys listening, the guys who, those of you who are listening, I want, you, I want you to hear this. And first of all, let me ask you this. This also isn't just for the prisoners, right? It's also, aren't the CEOs, aren't the correction officers oh, staff, also involved in this? Staff, staff are so important because the one consistent inside of the prison after the prisoners are the guards. Yeah. I say it in the thing, in, in the video clip, there's no PhD, there's no doctor, there's nobody out in the world or no pastor. This is corrections. That means prisoners and guards. Yes. They have to get it because they have to live it. So nothing against pastors, nothing against programs, nothing against politicians, nothing against anybody. This is corrections guards and prisoners have to be on the same page if this is gonna work. Well, don't you, I mean, I could be totally ignorant in saying this, so please correct me if I am. But to me, it's like, it's its own little kind of world. I oh, mean, it it's its own kind of like thing. And so like even even let's say like somebody said like hey will you come in as a yoga teacher i've been asked to come in and teach yoga to prisoners and stuff like that <clears throat> it's like well i can go in there with all of my whatever wisdom but nobody can talk about it like the people who are living it and are in it and experience it exactly i'm not saying you can't be helpful yes but to change the culture is not an outsider if we want to change the culture in your house the guy down the street can't do it. Somebody in the house has to buy, have to do it because the people in the house are vested. Everybody else is going home. Well, that, okay. Something that was said in the video that um, I know I wrote on a note somewhere. Let's see if I can find it. And your friend, I think it was your friend who said it. He said something about creating a safe environment. You've got to create a culture where a person feels safe. Because right. the environment changes first, and it's the environment that changes a person. Yes. You change the environment, then one of two things are going to win, the environment or the, or the person. That's what you're talking about. So if I throw you in an all-Spanish-speaking country, at some point, either they all learn English or you learn Spanish. 
If I throw you in the middle of Germany, either you learn German or they learn English. Something's got to give. A hundred percent. So if I throw you in an all violent community, or all unsafe community, or all, I'm saying, pressure community, either you're going to succumb to the pressure or it's going to succumb to you. And if the entire structure is dysfunctional, then you're not going to change it. The culture has to change. We have to create a safe place. Yes. And that's what I try to do. I have a membership called The Nest. And I say to them, I want to create a safe place where we can come because the environment, the container has to be there first. Yes. And then hopefully you can take what you've learned here in The Nest and then go and create a nest in your own home and in your own neighborhood, your own community, like et cetera. But one of the things I wanted to, and if you have anything to say about that, just tell me and I'll, I'll shut I up. Mean, but. The community thing is important. You want to have... There's 6 billion people on the planet. There can't be enough communities, enough podcasts, enough shows, enough, and more information about it. We come from a time in the 60s and 70s where you just stay locked in your house. We didn't know what was happening in California because we had no access to California. That's right. So now we have access, not just to other people, but to other resources and helps. So there are helps for people who didn't have them before. It's so true. If you don't mind me asking, Andre, how old are you? I'm 53. All right, yeah, I'm 52, about to be 53. So we're, we're like the same, the same age. So it's so the same you grew thing. up in Lawrence. You speak Spanish? I, Paquito, like tiny bit. I know enough, to, probably enough to be dangerous, right? Like, you know? You, how did that happen? Well, you grew up in Lawrence. Well, yes, and I took Spanish in school because it made sense because I'm like, whatever. And then I moved to L.A. I lived in California, and I also had a lot of Spanish-speaking friends. So. Look at <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is if I drop you in Lawrence and leave you, you're going to have some familiarity with Spanish. Same thing yeah. with Lowell. Yes. Yeah. The Merrimack River kids. Like we, we, my we, church, yeah. my home church. Well, excuse me. My priest is from St. Saint, Saint Basil's in Methuen. Oh, right on. Well, now my church growing up was St. Pat, St. Patrick's in, on Essex Street. And now they almost all the masses are in Spanish. And it's like you got to adapt. It's like adapt or die, right? Like that's how, yeah. that's how it is. Get out to church and learn how to speak Spanish. That's right. <laughs> but here's the thing. This is one of the things I want to say, Andre, because you yourself, like you're wicked impressive. And the work that you do. So check this out, people who are listening. So in this prison, in, what's the name of the prison in South Carolina? It's called Lee County in Bishopville. Okay. Since the Academy of Hope, how long have you guys been in there? Two years now. Two years. Okay. So since the Academy of Hope, there have been zero assaults with weapons. Correct. There have been zero use of force reports. Correct. There have been zero escape attempts. That has nothing to do with us, but correct. Okay. But that, this was in the video. I'm just telling you. Yes. And then there has only been one fist fight. It was a COVID fight, but yes. Right. Okay. And then, then I saw a video that showed that there was um, an inmate who was attacking. There was a man who was attacking another man. One happened to be an inmate. One happened to be a god. And somebody who was enrolled in your program actually broke it up. Yes. Risked, risked his own safety. I think he actually got wounded. He got, he got stabbed five times to save him. Andre, let, let, look, you're very like, how do I say this? I think you're a very humble person. And I think, well, and, and I could be wrong. I don't know you that way, but let me just say how it feels talking to you. Like, what I'm curious about 
has you have you stopped to really look at the impact the choices that you've made right even the vision of you like being in prison and saying Harvard, and then getting a fellowship there, like the power of the choices that you've made, but it's not just affected your life and then within your circle, you know, your best friend, your son, like whatever, but the work that you're doing is like a big deal. And it's having like even just statistics, like, but let's even go beyond that. Do you ever stop and think like, man, little old Andre? I mean, so, very rarely do I have time to say little old Andre? And the way it works is the way it's always worked. Negativity impact my life. I remember the people who taught me how to rob and steal. I remember the people who taught me how to sell drugs. I remember the people who taught me how to fight and be violent. It was a handful of people. It wasn't 30,000. It was like my cousin, Joey, showed me how to rob people. <laughs> my <laughs> cousin, Joey. <laughs> Literally. That's his name. I, I love it. He showed me how to rob people. And I learned that from him. And my, my buddy Benny showed me how to steal cars. And I can go down to people showed me stuff. Yes. And I acted it out. Yes. Then Gordon, my rabbi, my priest, um, MT, you know what I'm saying? I can give you a list of people who started helping me understand stuff in the other direction. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I know what one person can do in somebody's life. Mm. It's not going to be 30,000 people who come into your door and teach you something. It's going to be that one person you listen to. That's right. So... My focus is I'm just going to be the one person who shares knowledge and gets out the way. Keyword, get out the way. <laughs> and with the guy at the prison who saved the staff, the same thing Gordon said to me, you need to be the best version of yourself minus any excuses. Do what's right at all times. Camera on or camera off. That's what we said to the men in these programs. We're going to give you the best information. Yes. Because we want you to be the best people and do things that are not expected of you and be the best version of yourself. And that man has read from the best books. That man has that $15 journal. That man has been given the opportunity to experience the best information from the top leaders in the world. So now when he does something in that space, we shouldn't be shocked. Nor should we be shocked if we gave him the worst books a composition $2 book and gave him the worst food and the worst attitude and the worst environment that he would cheer something like that on. We're in charge of the inputs. And therefore, we're in charge of the outcomes. And it only goes to show if you give the right inputs, yes. you'll get the right outcomes. Yes. Andre, I, I appreciate you so much. I love the way your mind works. I, I just love, I just love your big generous hat. I, oh, I think you froze again, but no, I'm not, that's I'll, just oh, the camera. Okay, cool. Um, off. Yeah, you know, there's something like you have like three different. There's a cost to this 35 million. There's, there's a cost to this 35 millimeter look. <laughs> they say it looks good to go for my guys to come show me how to teach it. It doesn't lock every 30 minutes or something. It's, it's, Andre, it's amazing. And um, is there anything else that you're excited about right now that you're involved with, that you're doing? Um, can you 
take a moment to share about that if there is? And if not, is there a way that my listeners or anybody who, who hears this, if they want to support your work or whatever, um, I'm not sure how you do things, but can you, uh, is there anything okay. that you're working on a project or a program or just something you want to shout out about? Okay, definitely 1000%. You're going you're gonna <laughs> to love this. Um, last week we did the, um, the virtual event for virtual events. Yes. And the lady said, Hey, I needed that for me so I can help my son. So I went from there and I created a program. Oh. Especially, wait, wait, <laughs> especially is this the one? Is this the one? Oh, for moms. For moms. I love it. No, no, I created, not I, I have, I created a program for moms and it's called Cafe of Hope. Oh, Andre. The premise is that mom could come on this platform and get all the information she needs on how to help her kid. So cafeofhope.com will be up and by the time this goes live, unless you're going to live in the next two hours. No. <laughs> if this, it'll, cafeofhope.com is set up to help moms and family members, sisters and brothers get the information. Because when I heard her speak, I said, man, I got to get in that space and help people. So this is for moms who are having, like, just so I'm clear and the listeners are clear, this for, for moms who maybe have kids who are already in, already uh, in some bad situation or on their way or all of it is helpful. All of the above. If you're okay. a mom, a sister, an aunt, a grandmother, a father, a cousin, a son, a daughter, you might be a grown daughter. You're, you're 24 and your dad's in jail. You might be 18 and your brother's in jail. You might be 65 and your grandkids are in jail. Yes. I understand prison, prison life, transformation, what gets you in, what gets you through, what gets you out. So I've created a Cafe of Hope to help anybody who has loved ones in that space. Then what I've, what I've been finding out is people who have nothing to do with prison want the information too. <laughs> it just works. But I'm, I'm directing it towards loved ones of people inside. So if your, your brother just came home, how long do you let him sit on the couch for? What about hanging with his old friends? What do you say to him? How do you encourage him? How do you help him get a job? What, where can you send him for he can have someone to talk to? You know, Andre, it's like, it's so powerful. I'm getting emotional hearing you talk about this because I have a friend who wrote a book. I often take the long way in the door to make a point, but so stay with me. I have a friend who wrote a book called Comfort. Uh, her name is Ann Hood and she's a brilliant writer. And it's a story of how she lost her five-year-old daughter. Was healthy in there one moment, came down with a viral form of strep and was like dead 48 hours later. And it's this really powerful book. And one of the things she was talking about was how Thank so you. often, oh, is that, is that Kimberly? No. Oh, hello. Whoever, oh, hello, niece. <laughs> so who, whoever, um, she was talking about how so many people in their desire to comfort her often said and did things that were the exact opposite. Exactly. So I think the work that you're doing is so helpful because again, it goes back to the culture and the environment. So if somebody goes from, let's say they've been in prison or jail, whatever, for like however many years, and then it's like this integration period and now they're out. Those of us who haven't been in there or don't know what it's like, even in an attempt to be helpful, we could be, because we're humans and we're clumsy, we could totally say the wrong thing, whatever. So 
being able to create like a new environment where the people are more well-informed, it just, for me, in my mind, it just makes the possibility of success exponentially greater. That's the goal. And I got the concept last week when we were on the um, virtual events with Barry and Blue. I was like, I thought about it before. I just never made time to make time. So I said, I'm going to, I don't know what I, the website is literally being built as we speak is like 85% done. That's my number one. Let me see. Oh. So you have basically the. Oh, let me show you. Yeah, yeah. See that board over there? Yes. That's my to-do list. And the I top one on there is get the Cafe Hope website done. So, base, so you must have a team. So you basically just kind of brain dump it, right? And you give them the content. Or you don't do web design and stuff, too. No, no I subcontract yeah. that stuff out. Yeah, okay. I do what I do well, and I subcontract right. the rest. You know your strengths, and then you leave the rest to other people. Okay. There's so, a book out right yeah. now called Who Not How by yes. Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy. Yes. This guy. Yes. That's, I'm actually in Ben's previous book, um, personality isn't permanent. All right. Okay. But that's the book. No, personality permanent is a great book. Who not how is the book? I think, I think, I don't know who published that book, but hey, yeah. And okay. This is why, this is why I know the book because I have it because it's like, I have a stat. I have books all over my house. Yeah, because Reed Tracy, who is the, the main guy yeah. at Hay House. Oh, no, Hay House. Yeah, he was just talking about that book. And I was involved in a – Stu McLaren. I don't know if you know who Stu is. He does, like, membership sites, and he's really good friends with ClickFunnels guys and all that. But he and Reed are really good friends. And Reed was just talking about that book, Who Not How. And, uh, and I was just like, so jazzed about it. So I love the, This is kismet. I just love when you bring something up. So do you know Stu McLaren or you just follow him? No, I'm in his program. So I work, I mean, I work with him. I'm not in his high end mastermind cause I'm not there yet, yet. But, um, he's who taught me how to build my membership program and I'm in his membership. And so I'm on lives with him all the time and send him texts. You know, I send him messages like you on Instagram and stuff like that. So, so what is, I mean, I've never heard of his program. So it's how to build a membership program. So his, his course is called, so he does a bunch of stuff. So it's called tribe and it's all about teaching people how to build memberships. And he's the number one guy in the world. And he works with like Jeff Walker and Reed Tracy and um, Michael Hyatt and all the big guys. So you guys probably cross path, like, you know, the same yeah. Barry, and Blue, Barry and Blue does all his events. Like, so that's how I knew, learned about Barry and Blue is through Stu. And Stu's a genius. And he's got, and he has a lot of great, he does a lot of great fundraising. He builds schools in Africa. Like he's just a really, him and his wife are, the sweet Canadians, wicked nice, super nice sweethearts. You what, know what, I mean? can we, what would we right. be without Canadians? I know. We wouldn't know how bad we were. <laughs> <laughs> if there was no such thing as Canada, we would have no conscience. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. But, yeah, so, you know, we, we kind of know some of the same people. But, Andre, other than Cafe of Hope, which is wicked important, and I'm so happy that you're doing it. Um, how do you guys make, like, Academy of Hope, how is that funded? Does the prison system pay for that? Or Some like of the how prison fists, I mean, donations. So we have... Oh, um, please, tell us about that. That's what I, I was getting at. I can just send you the link, yep. and if people want to donate, it's, it's all wonderful. If we, don't, if we don't have any, like, fundraising drives. Yes. People come across us, 
and they say, send me a link, we send them the link, and then if they donate, we appreciate it, and then we put them in our database, and we let them know the, the work that we do with the money they get. Yeah, we'll definitely throw that link in there for, for people to be able to donate. So, I think and 100% of the money that is donated, 100% of the money goes to either people in need somewhere, whether it's a prisoner, it's a family member, it's a somebody. There's no salaries attached to that. There's no admin attached to that. There's no anything attached to that. 100% of that money is straight donations That's to amazing. the cause. That's amazing. And so is your business, when you say your business, do you consider yourself, um, and I don't really like to label people because I, I, I do a lot of things, so I'm like multi-passionate, but um, do you consider yourself a consultant, a coach, a speaker, like all of the above? Like, I'm the guy you, you call when shit goes bad. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, you know what? Whatever that means to you, right? Whatever that means to you. If, if, you're having, if you need some shit fixed, you need a solution, call Drake. All right, you can Drake. give me... <laughs> Any problem you want, I'll give you a solution in under five minutes. But if I'm a consultant, I'm going to take three days to do it so I can charge you more. Right. Just... <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's so funny that you just said that. Because you know, you know how they try and get, I don't know if you know this or not, but in marketing, in marketing, they're always like, who's your ideal client avatar? What's their pain point? What's their problem? And this is me all the time. I don't know. If you're suffering, let's have a conversation. Like that's exactly. all I know how to do. So I love that you just, I love, Dre is the guy you call when shit has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, when, when Honduras had the highest murder rate in the, in the world, my phone rang. Riots in Ferguson, my phone rang. Kids, child soldiers in West Africa, my phone rang. Dead people in South Carolina prisons, my phone rang. Some of these kids on drugs and, and about the OD, my phone rings. Some of these business, there's not communication between different countries and heads of whatever, my phone rings. Somebody can't get their son into a program because he's having mental health issues, my phone rings. You know what I'm saying? I got a call yesterday, I got a text yesterday. There was um, somebody whose daughter is grown and really mad at the mom because mom's single and living her own life now. And so she's threatened suicide, even though she's 24, just to like the jig at mom. So my phone rings. So it, it ranges. I had a company the other day, two days ago, white, all white company trying to do things in the Black Lives Matter space, social justice. They don't know how to move in that space. Sure. They don't want to be called racist. They don't want to be made, made, made to feel bad because they're showing to the party late. You're not late, just show up. So yes. I'm helping them navigate how do they engage in social justice programs as an all white company in 2021. My phone rings. They want to talk to somebody that's not going to make them feel bad but it'll give them the information that they can move forward. So every day my phone rings from, I mean, I get calls from all over the place from everything. I haven't got a cat stuck in a tree yet, but uh, dude, <laughs> Hey, but, um, you got some years left. So anything is possible. Anything but, is possible. But here's the thing, man. Like how did that? All right. So basically you come out of prison. This is what I'm really fascinated about. So, but you build a reputation, you build, there's a reason why like legacy people know that you're the guy to call. So was it just through networking or doing what you did in the word spread? Like, how did you become that guy? Um, Joe Polish has a saying, life gives to the giver. People know the type of way you help them. So yeah. when this is all said and done, you, no matter whatever else, anybody else thinks, you're going to say, this guy's busy. This is his occupation. He came on my show for free without no hassles and no frills. 
And so you, you now have a perception of Andre. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And you got that based on our interactions as limited as long as it's been. And the next person, people interact with you and they walk away with their thoughts of you. Yes. And that's it. And I show up every day and I do my best to give my best. No excuses, no stories. And sometimes I hit 100. Most times I hit 99. <laughs> but I give it my best shot. And I don't shortchange anybody. I don't rush anybody. I don't do anything. I show up and I do my thing to the best of my ability to make it better. And I don't walk away looking for credit. I'm not looking for like subtitles. I didn't send you a list of things and mandates that have to happen. I need my name in the lowest lower thirds and banners and no. I don't know how many, I don't know how many viewers you got. Don't care. You might have your cousin, your aunt, and your sister who watch this shit. I don't know. I'm not on here for your viewers. I came because you wanted me to come on. Yes. So if it's just me and you, and what I've seen, I put out podcasts that five people watch. I did a podcast with Adam um, Carolla last week. Yes. And about five million people are going to watch that. Yes. And I spent less time with him than I spent with you. And it's not a big deal. He talked until he was done. And when he was done, I was done. And the we'll reason- talk. We can sit here for another two hours. I'm good. The reason why, yes, I appreciate- My, my camera will freeze every 30 minutes, but <laughs> you can edit that out. The reason why I asked you that question is because I knew the answer was literally right in that ballpark of what you said, because I want people, look, Andre, like, I wish you were the norm, right? But you're really not. And so people who give um, and um, people who give at the level that you give, but have the knowledge that you, like, like I said, like you get whatever, I recognize who I'm talking to and I wanted more people to know you and to know your spirit and to know your heart and to know your story and the work that you're doing. And so I, I just wanted to, again, we can, I want them to think that it's, Hey, Dre's just this great, awesome guy because he wanted to be great and awesome. Um, I didn't even think about it. This is my book. Boom. I got my book. Ambassador Ambassador of hope. I mean, I don't promote it. I don't even sell it. I, just, it's just I know. I, I was laughing because I discovered that was, that's what I was like, hey, Dre, any, wait, wait, anything else you want to tell us about whatever? Because I didn't I, think about that book. Well, <laughs> well, look. But this is the thing. I only mention it because if you read it, there's a story about my great friend. I say great. He's my number one friend on the planet, Keith Alper. His, he helped me in one of my worst times. And the time that he was helping me, his wife was dying of cancer. Mm. And he could have said to me, buddy, I love you. You're a great friend. But my wife and the mother of my children is in the process of dying. I need to be with her every moment of the day. And two things happened. He said to her, honey, I'm here for you. And they had the discussion. And they, they both agreed that he needed to help his friend, mm. being me. So through her chemo, through her trips to the hospital, all the way through her death. He never missed a day. He never came half-assed. He never showed up 80%. I'm hearing you. Never once. I'm hearing you. So I'm this way because people have been this way with me. That's I learned how to rob because my cousin Joey Joey told me. (laughs) Joey and Benny. Thanks, Joey. (laughs) Joey and Benny. (laughs) Benny's my oldest living friend. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I learned to be present for people. Because people were present and there for me. 
Yes. So it's not like an Andre, this is Andre who he's been. No, people have, what I give is what I've received. That's right. And that's exactly it. Like, I'm not sitting here giving you a sainthood or anything, but what I'm saying is you have, what is, what is the phrase? He who has been, of he who has been given, given much, much is. Expected. Yes. And so you've taken. To whom much is given, much is expected. Yes. But the fact that you recognized it, the fact that you're wanting to give it back. Look, a lot of people like, you know, I, I kind of like sucked at receiving love, right? This is something that I had to learn how to like get better at. Take a compliment, like receive it, whatever. And so I just think it, one of the things I love to do, one of the things that I am naturally gifted at is being what I call a balcony person. Somebody who at your TED talk, at your gig, your graduation, whatever it is, you, you, you find, you know, you put the bottle down up in the balcony, swinging the thing, making a ruckus, right? And so I just want to cheerlead you a little bit. Not that you need it, but I just, I just really appreciate you and I see you and I want to celebrate you for a moment. So just thank you so much. Oh, listen, I'm saying you call me, I show up. That's my policy. I tell people, if you call me, I'll show up. That's easy. Well, look at, it's not always that easy because we got a lot of people who like that. It's, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's rare. It's rare. You know something? You're just hanging out with the wrong people. I know. No, I'm not saying. (laughs) If the people don't want to show up, you're hanging out with the wrong people. All right. Andre, say that one more time for the people in the back of the room. The people in the back of the room. When, when people make it hard for them, when people make it hard, it's because they don't want to be there. Thank so if somebody's you. making it hard to meet with you, to talk with you, to do something with you, then you're doing business with the wrong person. Thank you're you. using your energy in the wrong space. Um, Keith Cunningham, they asked him one day, how do, you hire, how do you have such a motivated staff? He says, I hire motivated people. <laughs> I don't hire people and try to motivate them. I hire motivated people. Uh, look at... Yes. So stop trying to turn people into stuff. I'm going to make you my best friend. I'm going to make you this. I'm going to make you my CEO. I'm going to make you my CFO. I'm going to make you my this. No. People are who they are. Accept them for who they are. They will grow and evolve. But catch them when you catch them. I'm not catching the 55-year-old version of Michael Jordan trying to start a basketball team. It's (laughs) over. It's over. I need to catch him at 22. I don't want 55-year-old Mike on my team. Oh my God, Andre, you're the best. This has been such a delight, such a pleasure, such an honor. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Are you still in Boston? I'm, no, I, I went from Boston to LA and now I'm in New Hampshire, but I'm trying to get out of New Hampshire to go someplace warm because I am over winter. I am just done. I got spoiled in California. I got a taste of that sun for like eight years. And I'm like, what am I, why do I live somewhere where I need a plow guy, Andre? Tell me. Well, New Hampshire is super nice in the summertime. Yeah, but it's like a window of this big, dude. That's why I only come up there in the summertime. <laughs> do, you, do you ever spend time in New Hampshire? Oh, one of my, my Deacon John, Deacon John lives in uh, straight up 93. It's straight up 93. Manchester, where? Uh, Concord. Is it north or southern? He's in Derry. Derry, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not. I used to work at Middlesex House Correction, ran programs there for like five years. Well, one one of the guys I know who I'm going to have on the show this year, David Maloney, he was a CEO 
in the Hillsborough County of Corrections. And he's a writer and he just had a novel come out. And I can't wait to talk to somebody who was also a CEO to get a, uh, a glimpse of that. But he wrote, he wrote a novel called Baca House. And it's all about it. It's all about the people um, like in the prison and COs, POV and stuff like that. So it's really fascinating. But Andre, again, I, I literally, just for me personally, I could just keep talking to you, but I know you got important stuff to do. So thank you so much. So we'll get time. together. I need you to explain to me, because again, I want you to think I'm, I'm that I wrote it down. Stu McLaren and the, the tribe, is tribe a book or is tribe a... No, so I'll explain how it works. So he really, tribe is a course and it's like a six week course, but it actually ends up going like eight weeks with like implementation. He opens it up once a year and it's called tribe. And so you go through the course and at the end of course, at the end of the tribe course where he's teaching you about how to build a membership. Um, and there are people who have memberships of all kinds. Like I have a spiritual membership uh, and community. Some people teach people how to do paintings. Some people have memberships for real estate people. I mean, it's like all over, like whatever lights you up and you wanna share with the world, your area of expertise to create a community like for people, right? So you go through the course and then at the end of the course, you now have an opportunity to join tribe membership where now all of us who just went through that course stay together and we help each other and we teach each other how to grow our memberships and how to expand and how to get better at holding space and all, all the stuff. It's amazing. And then you can also work with Stu. Like he also has a mastermind, but you have to be, you know, making a certain amount of money in your membership because you want the quality of masterminding to be high. And then once a month, once a month, he'll work with somebody one-on-one -on -one but that's like cash. Like that's cash level that I'm not there yet. Right. So um, that's what he does. But he also, like I said, he, and if you want an introduction, I'm happy to introduce you to. Yeah. If you'd like to meet definitely. him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. There's a multitude of ways you can introduce me. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, you, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are you, so it's like, cause I can, is your, is your, is your brain like, is your, your wheels turning? You just, so yeah, yeah. My first yeah. question is how many members do you have in your tribe right now? So in right now, my, you mean in his thing or my yours. thing? I have 56 people right now. And my goal is to have a hundred by the end of the year. I want to invite some more people in because what I know is a lot of people are suffering and I want to help. <laughs> so, and I try to keep it, you know, it's like $59 a month or something. I do some scholarships um, and I want to keep growing it. And when I originally reached out to you, that was the group I wanted you to come in and talk to. And then I thought, well, 56 versus thousands my podcast so that's why i went with with the podcast we're gonna do this we're gonna double back and we're gonna do a zoom call with just your 56 people andre you're gonna make me cry <laughs> i mean you can tell you can go to your group and say listen we got this guy he's gonna come on we're gonna do two hours we're gonna set aside two hours or whatever it is and we're gonna do just your 56 or only members only members and, only members only like the old, old, old jackets. <laughs> oh my God. You're so sweet. <laughs> so so we're going to nice. do, do at least two hours with the members only. We're going to hit them with it. We're going to roll them through oh and answer God. all their questions. And we're going to show them how to blow up and be better. And then they'll go out and yes. they're going to go out and bring you more tribe. We're going to go get you. The, they'll go get the other 46 people. Andre, thank you so much, sweetheart. And my goal is to, um, this year I want to grow my membership too, because I want to, I want to get my book done. I, I could say like my book has like a love letter to my mother. And um, 
I want to be able to help as many people as I can who, um, you know, and kids like us, like I, and I'll help anybody, but what I'm saying, like, I have a spot, soft spot for kids like us. And one of my goals is to have my membership make enough money that I can start a scholarship at Lawrence high school, um, in my mom's name. Oh, <laughs> so well, we're going to do that. Thank no, you. We're not going to try. We're going to do that. So one, <laughs> we're going to get on your call. I'm saying like, like I said, Anybody who's watching this, that wants, I mean, we can come, I can come on quarterly and just, we can just blow it out of the water. Andre, you're so sweet. So Thank you. We can, let's, whoever's watching this one, they better sign up. If they want the real behind the scenes, the number one speaker on YPO, EO member, London Business School, Harvard Law School, White House, Genius Network, War Room, I can go down the list. And we're going to come on and it's not going to be a story. We're teaching. When we do your thing, we're coming on to teach. We're going to do a little bit of a story. It's going to be 90% teaching. And we're going to show them breakthrough. We're going to show them how to grow and be where they can have successful businesses, successful lives, and successful kids. Oh, so whoever's Andre. watching this, they better <laughs> sign up for saying the membership because they're not, this is just to, hey, we're kicking it. When we come back, we're going to have the charts out. We're going in. I am gonna. Oh my God, Andre! You just got. You just made me both like totally emotional and completely giddy with excitement because yeah, I can't I mean, even wait. Hold on. Uh, this is a letter from the UN asking me for help. If the UN can call and ask me for help, then I think I can help your people. I have no doubt that you can help my people. And but listen, you, you tell them whoever's watching this. This is time to stop for forty nine dollars. Listen. We charge ten thousand. I charge ten thousand dollars one hour. <laughs> so, picture that. I charge ten thousand dollars one hour to get on stage. They're about to get that times two for forty nine dollars. Oh my God! You can't beat that. If you only sign up for the month, it's worth the sign up. I'm worth fifty dollars. Believe me. Oh my God, Andre, you're worth a gazillion dollars. You are. You know what? You're. It's not even a gazillion. You're. You're priceless. You we can do priceless. storytelling. Understanding your story, business growth, nonprofit fundraising. I've raised over a quarter billion dollars in nonprofit money. We created an Office of Faith based initiative for George Bush. Uh -huh. We come in, we do ground up, not, you know, because kids like us ain't got millions of dollars. Yes. We got to build stuff that makes sense yes. based on nothing. Yes. So we're going to show you how to build based on nothing, not build based on having thousands of dollars. So right. I built this program <laughs> from nothing. Now it's worth millions. And this is my hope. This is my hope. And I'm like, okay, well, I can write a book because I'm one person and the book can go out and help other people. I can like, that's why I, I do one-to-one -one work um, for people who like, you know, intense, but I'm like, how can I help more people? And I am like, I'm a kid. Like I said, like I taught myself to be an entrepreneur. I'm still learning. I'm like, I, like half the time, like my, what's my business plan? I want to help people. Like you said, right? So, so I happened? appreciate you so this much. This is what happens. You tell me, Stu McLaren, I pick up the phone, I call Joe Polish, or I call Barry, I need to talk to Stu. <laughs> and I'm on the phone with Stu. Yeah, so I it's can- It's not that hard. Jeff right. Walker, I remember Jeff Walker has a student. We was at a bar, a restaurant, we were talking, and somebody took this lady named Danielle Leslie's course. And she had this phenomenal course on how to build a course. Yes, I know and exactly who she is. So I said, well, where did she learn it from? They said, Jeff Walker. So I picked up the phone. I called somebody. I'm like, yo, you know, Jeff, they're like, yeah, we're not Jordan. I need to meet him. I mean, I love her. She's fantastic. I went straight to the source. 
Well, dude, because it's because you have that kind of power now. But I'm going to show you, I'm going to show the people in the group how to get that power. How do you, this is the thing. If they don't learn any, there's two things they're going to learn. How to get in the room. Then more importantly, how to stay in the room. How to stay in the room. Because I've seen so many people get in the room, they get removed. And they do, 80% of it, they don't even know why they got kicked out. 80% of the time they get put out of the room, not like physically, but they'll come into <laughs> a scenario. We do drag people out back in the day, so I don't want to get yes. confused. Yes. Somebody will get in, they'll network, network, hustle, 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 get into the space. They're with the people they always want to be with. Then three weeks out, a month out, they're not invited back. And they don't know why. And it's not because you're black or you're poor, or you're this or you're that. You didn't know how to move right. So how do you move in those spaces? Because what it took to get there is not what it takes to stay, to stay there. there. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Like, I, of course, can I just say, first of all, thank you. Thank you a thousand percent. I'm wicked excited. Number three, like I'm kind of chuckling over here going like, hey, do you want me to introduce you to Stu? I'm like, I know you no, can listen, get your own introduction. I'm going to take introduction I, from you. You can introduce me to Stu first. <laughs> and when you tell him like, yeah, he's Barry's friend. He's Joe Polish's friend. He's Roland Frey. You can... You I know how to do it. Here's one thing. Here's what I know how to do. I know how to represent. I know how to make an introduction. I really do. So I will. I you got, got you. I got you. You call me and tell me when I'm getting on a Zoom with Stu or phone okay. call and I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm not, you know I'm not going to call my people. I'm calling my people you in New Hampshire. Right. I will be your per I, I'm part of the team now, right? Like, just know I've got your back. We've made this connection for life. I've got your back. So I'm with Stu and it's on and popping. I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to, I got a campaign now. I'm on a mission. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Cause he's got, he's got a huge audience. And I know, I know that you can be so impactful and I'm, I'm all about, this is how we spread the love and get it done. And this is one thing about getting in the room. Sometimes when the people won't let you in, if you send somebody in ahead of you that they like, or they'll receive, it automatically brings you in. I know how everybody always wants to be the first through the door. But if you send me in and he receives me, guess who's coming with me? All day. I, I'm not gonna come, we're not gonna, you know, the elevator. We're gonna get to the top and just forget to send it back down. That's right. <laughs> when they say, Why is she in the elevator? She's with me. Andre, I, I, I so just I'm, you're gonna be in the elevator. You don't have to send it back down. <laughs> we walk through, we're walking through together. So Stu. It's a package. All right, I'm gonna let I'm gonna I'm gonna put him on alert. And let him know, Andre. This has been a delight. You have made my whole not even my day. You've made my whole week. I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, just thank you again. Uh, I'll make sure everybody knows how to find you. It's AndreNorman.com, correct? Yep. Okay. Hold, hold on. Let me see. You got you got me typing it again. No, no. I I I, I it, it'll be in the show notes. I got everything, but it's mm -hmm. also cafeofhope.com um and is it academyofhope.com too is that where they mm -hmm. go yep i, yep, know, I, I think it's it. aoh global aoh global okay but i'll make sure because your your assistant part of your team she sent me everything i need for that and I, what was that I was, oh cafe Awesome. And I'll send you the thing for the um, donation button. I don't even know where it is. I can find it too. I know. I no, you know, I don't know where it is. It's on my phone. No, Blue, because Blue and Barry sent it to us during the event. Oh, and I, okay. I copied it. 
Gotcha. Well, um, that's the one. Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll send that along too, but I just hope, I don't know where the rest of your day is going, but just I'm know. I'm going to go buy my son some clothes. At the thrift shop. Um, fathers. <laughs> no, this lady started out with a renting a room in a building to do, she had a corporate job. She wanted to help people. She quit her job. And with a couple of dollars, she, she started renting this room and doing like thrift store clothes. Yeah. And she started with one little room. Now she has like two warehouses. And now she has like Polo. She has Uggs. She has Michael Kors. All these brands send her stuff. And she sells it. And she keeps money for her nonprofit. And she helps people every day. So I can go to Ralph Lauren direct and buy the stuff. Well, I can go to her and buy it. It's the same exact thing. Probably the and same price. And you help her money goes direct to help people. It's beautiful. So he won't know. Where can, and I told her the other day, when I, I said, my son's going to be working for you this summer when he comes. I'm going to stick him over there and make him stack shelves and help the lady, you know what I'm saying, do stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm literally going right here <laughs> in about 20 minutes. I'm going to go buy him a bunch of sweatpants and socks that he asked for. And in, no, no longer will we shop directly at Ralph Lauren only because she's around the corner. Now, if I lived in another state, I wouldn't fly here, but that's sure. what I'm ordering from her. Well, I love it. I think supporting local and supporting people, like this is the whole thing, like helping people who are trying to do good is like, it, it's, it's fantastic. And I like, and just again, Andre, like I had no idea where this conversation was going to go. All I knew is that I felt in my hat that I wanted to talk to you and it's been a pleasure and a delight. So just thank well, you. Text me your number. I put it in the chat. Yeah, I text got it. So I can lock you in. I will. I'll send you. I'll send you my information and uh, t show us your book one more time, please. Ambassador of Hope. Now, do your friends call you Dre, or does everybody call you Andre? My mom calls me Dre. It goes back and forth. Dre, Andre. I'm not stuck on either. It okay. Doesn't matter. It's the same difference. Not one's not better than the other. If you call me Andre, it's not formal. If you call me Dre, it's not cool. It's like right. <laughs> I respond to both. Well, Andre, Dre, it has been a pleasure to meet you, my new friend. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are in this world, for showing up. And uh, I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to the next time we talk. The next time we talk is on your tribe group. And anybody <laughs> better sign up and come on, because I'm, I'm going in. I'm bringing a notepad. Look, my <laughs> there, we, getting, we got the whole whiteboard right I there. I love we it. To, that's how I organize my day. It's right there. Bun, done. You have a YouTube channel too? Probably. I think <laughs> I know I've seen you on YouTube. So just so you know, my group is called The Nest. The and Nest. The Nest, yep, and I, I talk about I talk about uh like like how, so it comes from the, there's a lot of different things, but it comes so back there on my wall. You can see my big peacock feather and that's yes. my logo. And I think so often we kind of walk around with our heads down like these big weird birds because we've forgotten ourselves. We've forgotten our majesty. We've forgotten our power. We've forgotten our uh, ability to choose to be the best of ourselves. And then all of a sudden we have this memory and it's like, I'm a peacock, motherfucker, right? And so this is where the whole concept comes from. And then I wanted it to be, I'm like, this is the nest, right? We're going to create yep. a safe place where these beautiful birds can come to heal, to spread their wings and their tail feathers, and then to go out and create nests out in their community too. So that's where it yeah. all comes from. So, so you I'm tell excited. your folks, they got to put the best information inside themselves. Stop buying cheap gas. Right. <laughs> this is ain't a running car. You buy cheap gas for a running car.
<laughs> you buy cheap gas for a rental car. You don't buy cheap gas for your car. Well, and it's the same thing with the people you surround yourself with. Right. Stop buying cheap friends. Exactly. On that note, Andre, thank you, my friend. It has been a pleasure. I appreciate you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Have fun clothes shopping. And I can't yeah, wait. It's going to be fun. And you make sure you write Barry in three things. Thank her for the connection. Yes. Tell her what you learned. And tell her what you want next. Because she delivered me, she can deliver more. Thank you so much. You're always teaching, even like, and, and I love that. I, I, I thank you. I, I've, I've personally taken away so much from this conversation. I know I will continue to learn from you. We're going, we, listen, we're coming to the mastermind. That's not make believe. Right. I work for Army Norman Incorporated and my boss said I can do it. So we're doing your mastermind, <laughs> your tribe. We're going to blow it out the water at least two hours, if not more, we're just going to go full-fledged and teach. All right. I might, I might bust out the teleprompter. Right, I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting you up for sure, man. Uh, I'm you, in. Listen, look. I don't know when this is released. We can pick a day later this month or next month, put it on a schedule, whatever you need to promote. I'm there. Boom. Get your 56 people in there, whoever else you can market to join the group. Hey, they can buy $56 one-day pass, whatever. Sell it any way you want. I'm there. All right. We're going to make it happen. I cannot wait, man. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day. And I always say at the end of my podcast to anybody who is listening right now, thank you so much for your time. I see you. I feel you. I hear you and I celebrate you, but mostly I appreciate you. Wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Yes. We, we can't... We have to close on Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> Tom Brady's the ultimate example of being in a toxic relationship. He got out of the bad relationship. He got in a good relationship. And lo and behold, what? He's still a champion. It well, wasn't him. It was Bill. We said Tom's getting old. No, Bill wasn't evolving. Let me just say something. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You had something else to say. Tom, Tom Brady just taught us. Change your environment. If your current environment is not working for you. A hundred percent. People kept saying to me, right? Like, so my friends, my friends who live in California, but who are, who, who are like born in Boston, right? Writing to me and they're like, are we still, are we still rooting for Tom? I go, dude, I go, dude, no brainer, no brainer. Like, you know, I like growing up, I don't know. Are you, were you a sports guy at all? Did you follow sports at all? Steve, Steve Grogan. 1985, smashed by the Bears, Andre Tippett, Sam Cunningham. Don't get me started. All right, all right. So you, you must know who Ricky Henderson is. Yeah. So Ricky Henderson was one of my all-time favorite players. And when he went to New York, everybody started giving me, the, like, the side eye. Like, you're not going to root for a guy on the Yankees. I was like, look, I don't care about what team he is. I'm with the man. Like, I'm following him. From Oakland to New York. That's – hey. Ricky Henderson and Kirby Puckett – Made me watch baseball. Baseball is a stupid sport to me. And then I picked up the paper one day. And they said Ricky Henderson signed a four-year, $12 million deal. Kirby Puckett signed a three-year, $9 million deal, or vice versa. But they were each getting $3 million a year, which at the time was double any NBA player. Well, because Ricky Henderson was unlike any you, – I had never seen anybody move and run like he did. So growing up, like my heroes, right? So I'm a kid who's born in New England, right, in Lawrence. But I was a Steelers fan. So like Terry Bradshaw and Lindsay. We had no Lindsay. choice. When we were kids, the only body that came on the Super Bowl was Dallas and Pittsburgh. 
You, either you like Dallas or Pittsburgh when we were kids. That's the only ones in the Super Bowl. Now, Lynn Swan. I had a poster of Lynn Swan on one wall and Jim, Jim Ed Rice, Jim Rice on the other wall. These were my people. And then I fell madly in love with the Oakland Raiders. And people are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, <laughs> Al, because Al Davis's motto was a commitment to excellence. And I was like, Howie Long and like all these guys. And I was obsessed with the Raiders. And then so, you like, came to the Patriots? Look, I That's came a, back. My, listen, I swear on my son, my exact journey in football, Pittsburgh, Oakland, New England. Yes! Okay. Now, if you, now, if you tell me you're a U-Miami fan, we're in a U-Miami football, University of Michigan basketball. When, I, when it came time to go to school, so first of all, like, you don't know my whole backstory, but I was, like, filling out applications, like, pretty much on my own. My boyfriend's mom at the time was also my cheerleading coach, my school teacher, whatever. Um, and so she helped me, like, fill out some things. I applied to... U Miami, BU, not kidding. I'm not kidding. And so I, I, I ended up going to, in BC, BC wouldn't have me. Cause I, I you went know. to BC. Yeah. Oh. I'm Catholic. I'm half Catholic. I'm, I mean, I was a cat. I was raised a Catholic kid no, too. No, no, But I, I got, I got Catholic friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, technically. the Father Woods. Technically we're, we're supposed to be rivals, but I, I ended up at BU because they let me in, like they had a program where like I had to kind of prove myself for the first two years. And I was terrified. Look, we could spend day, like we, we're just going off. But yes, my, that was my journey, right? Steelers, Oakland, New England. Now, Steelers because they're in the Super Bowl. I can tell you the whole t team from Lynn Swan, Rock, Rocky, I mean, Franco Harris, Rocky Blyer, <laughs> on yep. down. Mm -hmm. You say, I know the whole squad. Yeah. Then we went to Oakland because there was just the cool uniforms. It, I know about Al Davis. It was just like, that was like, <laughs> when we were teenagers, the Oakland Raiders had the cool uniforms. Then it came to New England with Steve Grogan, Andre Tippett, um, Morgan, Stanley Morgan, the whole crew. Yeah. We got smashed in 85. Then we finally got back. But Steve Grogan was a beast. Steve Dude. Grogan was an old school war course. You could not like Steve Grogan if you like football. He got a beating. He just kept getting up. <laughs> I said, I like that dude. See, well, he wasn't that, fly or fancy. He just showed up to work. Well, I think kids like you and I, we can recognize a hard worker and somebody like there's something about that grit and that resiliency yeah. and like Troy that Aikman toughness. Won three, but I take Steve Grogan. Dan will, Marino was fly. Give me no, Steve Grogan. I gotta say, I always had a thing with Dan Marino. I was always like, I was like, I don't know how I feel about him. He was great. No, I'm not saying as a player. But sometimes I would just stand back and go like, because also like I'm looking at in my house growing up, my mother was an Oilers fan because Earl Campbell was like her guy. Oh, he's a B. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Campbell, I watch his highlights still. My stepfather. I still watch Earl Campbell highlights. Earl Campbell, Quadzilla, his legs, like he was jacked. He was a machine, right? So look, I don't even know. People who are listening, I didn't stop recording. This is still recording because I know people are going to get a kick out of this. But all I can say is all th signs keep pointing to you and I were destined to beat. So this is so fun. I love that we share all this stuff. And uh, well, yeah, listen, since we're on sports, <laughs> greatest, greatest winner. The greatest who? Greatest winner. The greatest winner of like any sport? Sports. Do you, look at, just so I, I mean, know. I'll make it easy for you. Yes. Bill Russell played organized sports for 16 years. 
Yes. Bill Russell won the championship 14 out of 16 years. Do you see, see how I got this shamrock on my shirt? I know, I know, Tony's my man. I got a lot of homies, I'm saying, from Charlestown. You do? Too many to count. I, I'm, not, I'm not from Charlestown. But I know I, that. But I, the Townie sweatshirt, I'm representing a little bit, like the Boston feel. I was wondering if you were going to recognize it. That's funny. I'm sorry. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, for the record, Michael Jordan might be the greatest player. LeBron James might be the greatest athlete. Ricky Henderson might have been the greatest runner. Bill Russell was the greatest winner. Most winningness, win most winningness of all time. Percentages can 14 out of 16. Did That's you high school, college, and pro? Did you watch the Michael Jordan documentary? Last Dance. I still watch it for fun. I click it on still, even though I've seen it like three times. I loved it. Know what I learned about that? Tell me. The greatest thing I learned from that documentary, I watched Michael Jordan on TV for years, like everybody else. Yeah. And he was like Black Jesus or God, right. whatever you want to call <laughs> right. him. He was the man. He could do all things. The one thing I never realized until I watched the movie is he was really from Wilmington, North Carolina. He was a little country boy. Yes. We don't think country boy when we see him on a global stage. Because he's you, right. We never heard him talk. I watched that documentary. I heard Michael Jordan talk, and he sounded as country as he wanted to be. That's right. I was like, he's a country boy. Because he was marketed. Me, Sorry, huh? go ahead. Because no. he was marketed a very particular way. But you never heard Michael Jordan really talk yes. during his career. A 10-second interview here, 10-second interview there. When I watched the movie or the documentary, he's really from a little tiny town in North yes. Carolina, country boy, sounded as country as he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. All his values are little country boy values, yeah. which is awesome because it, he didn't start in Philly or New York or L.A. It yeah. doesn't matter where you come from. Yes. You can become the greatest, most known person on the planet and come from a little tiny town in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's so true. Because each person has the ability to impact in ways. Even if, like, I think of it like this. Sometimes I'll, I'll use words like, you know, I'll say, your ministry or your church. I don't care what you're doing. It's just like language I like to use sometimes. And I'll be like, it might be three people. It might be millions of people. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think so often we think that, like, exactly, like, I think here's something that I say sometimes, maybe not so much now, but I say this. I have been underestimated my whole life just because of where I started from, right. how I sounded, right? And one day I worked for this, for this gentleman who was a little bit of a father figure. And here I am, he has this company, like all entrepreneurs, like doing stuff, kind of drops me into his business to give me a leg up. I, I've had some human angels along the way like you. Tries to give me a leg up. Drops me into this room. And back then, right, I'm 52 now, but back then I looked pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I stay fit. I'm athletic and healthy. And so the way that the men in that company treated me, it was so discouraging at times. So one time this guy, he, the guy who gave me the leg up, he flies into town. We go into a meeting together and he sees and hears the way that it, like things are kind of going down the tone. And he can see my eyes when we get back onto the elevator. And he looks over at me and he just smiles and he starts laughing. And I say, his name is David Skidmore. And I say, what? And he says, let them underestimate you. And he's like, because I know who you are. I know what you can do. I know and I own a company. And I know where you're going, right? And it was just like, and I did, it was just like one of those moments where I realized like, 
where I came from, not it matters in that I use it as part of my story, but it didn't have to keep me there. The only one who was going to be keeping me there was me. Exactly. Exactly. So and I the love- The most important part you missed, he owned the company. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if the janitor was saying that to you, it would be different. Right. <laughs> the guy in the mirror room said, don't worry, don't let him get you down. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh. But Andre, this, this has been a gift. This has been a gift. And, you know, one of the other speakers, one of the other speakers who came to Barry and Blue's event, and I'm going to end on this, unless you have something else you want to say. He said one of the things that they do at the end of when they have a speaker come in is they take a moment and they have everybody go around and say, what is the greatest gift that this speaker or this person, this teacher has given you? And so I just want to take a moment to reflect back to you that you have given me the gift of humor. You have given me the gift of insight. You have given me the gift of um, inspiration. You have modeled for me how to be um, fully myself. And you have, um, you have given me the gift of um, wanting to grow and expand my work the fact, your willingness to step into my world and say, I want to help because I see what this can be. I think sometimes we're so close to our own work, we can't see it. So you've also given me the gift of vision. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Now let's go get it done. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. you guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>